Hi, I'm Namusa. And I'm Adadana. And this is the Africana Podcast. On episode one of the Africana podcast, we get into the Jolof Rice Wars, Does It Really Matter? Our hashtag National Day of Prayer for Sunshine in Nairobi, followed by Moving Back to the Continent, and our superhero students at Pretoria Girls High School kicking ass with their natural hair protests all brought to you by your favorite girl children. Have a listen on SoundCloud or Apple Podcasts. <laughs> anyway, how are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Not bad. Chilling. Uh-huh. What have you been up to these last uh, two weeks since the teacher came out? Well, the biggest thing, family vacay. All right, tell yeah. us more. I met my parents in St. Petersburg. Uh, vodka, yeah. vodka, vodka, vodka. <laughs> well, we did go to the vodka museum, and um, that was fun because my mother judged me and my father from the corner of the room with her like the wonderful ethiopian woman she is yeah that as all ethiopian mothers would yeah mm. no but it was great but actually i think probably the biggest uh thing is what i found out is that st petersburg tinder is lit what tell, tell I me i mean i generally like to judge a place kind of just what the offerings are on on this here tinder let me just put it this way the tinder profiles in st petersburg were very um dramatic i'm just gonna read for you my two favorite that i came across French cardiologist, researcher, and writer, published two books, not about medicine, an eclectic mind who loves, bite the apple, listen to progressive rock, spend two hours in a flea market to hesitate between two lamps before leaving with a candle, wandering naked because it's my home, uncork a Chablis bottle at the edge of the channel, bet on the alchemy, sexing without words of love, make love without thinking of sex, or vice versa, cute enough to stop your heart, Skilled enough to restart it. Boom! He dropped bars. Do you I, see that? I'm not ready for this. The last line. Did you swipe right? No, left. Girl! I'm on a family vacation. I don't know I got time for that. Listen, what I'm trying to say, more of the story, is that I thought those were those bars at the end were quite impressive. I mean, if a cardiologist came up to you and said, cute enough to stop your heart and skilled enough to restart it, would you not think twice? I think after cardiologist is where we would stop. Let's be real honest. He's a doctor. You can tell your mom that. All right, number two. Whew. All right. It says, quote, do not fall in love with people like me. I will take you to museums and parks and monuments and kiss you in every beautiful place so that you can never go back to them without tasting me like blood in your mouth. I will destroy you in the most beautiful way possible. And when I leave you, you will finally understand why storms are named after people. I'm pretty sure that was my yearbook quote. <laughs> was it really? Yeah, grade 12. <laughs> Do you know what else happened this week? Tell me. Let us just take a moment. Uh oh. A very special person turned 35. Any guesses? Uh... Leader of my life. Quoted in the Bible. Leader of the oh, free world. Beyonce. 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 Okay. Happy birthday, dearest Beyonce. Is she listening to this right now? Abby. Are you talking to her? What's going I on? I pretty much baked cupcakes yesterday Did for you? Her. Well, I got close. I didn't have enough eggs, but like, in spirit. I think Beyonce could have made do without eggs. Abby, because she's a vegan. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, like, doesn't she have a whole... I should know this. Probably I, like I should. I, I was more thinking... An e-commerce vegan line. I was more thinking along the lines of she 
magic too. Staff and could have asked someone to go fetch them for her, but nope, that works. Yes, vegan. And Illuminati potentially. Yeah, the Illuminati. All of it. They can. It's like Sendy. They can like go make runs for you. It's like a part of the package, the Illuminati package. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Noted. Well, happy birthday, Beyonce. We love you. Happy B day. Oh, happy B day. But uh, I was gonna sing, but remember last time I said the podcast wasn't ready for my voice. Yeah. Still not. Still not. Will it ever be ready? I'm going to try an episode two or three. <laughs> okay. Woo! We're one episode closer. Can't wait. Guys, I want you all out there, if you're listening, start a hashtag campaign to get Namusa to sing on this thing. Hashtag Namusa, Namusa sings. sings. Boom. Hashtag Namusa sings. If you get a thousand retweets, I'll do it. Oh, come on. You don't know a thousand people? <sighs> I mean, I know a thousand people, but I don't know if a thousand people want to hear you sing though. Skirt. My Sorry. feet are really cold. Can we move on? <laughs> Uh, moving on to... Cold feet. It's been a rough few weeks in this here Nairobi. Nairobi. Sorry, yes, Nairobi. Although... Nairobur? It's a little... Yeah, wow. Nairobur? B-R-R? Re. Like Nairobi, but Nairobi. No, but just Nairobur because it's cold AF here. Yeah. Unacceptable. I know those of you who are listening from colder climates have absolutely no sympathy for us. But you don't get it. But seriously, this is our truth. And suffering is relative. Jesus be a blanket. Oppression Olympics. Here we go. It is so cold. And it's messing with all of us. And it's not so much that it's cold. It's that the sun isn't out. And that's really the problem. I feel like, I don't know, this could be London. And the whole point of not being in London is to not have that kind of weather. Yeah, the only other city on the continent that I've felt this cold in is Johannesburg. Well, South Africa more broadly, but like Josie in the winters, you freeze because yeah. nobody has central heating. And nobody Slash, has central heating in Nairobi either. Right, because houses weren't built for this global warming that we've been brought. No, but um, in order to help hopefully turn the situation around, uh, the Africana podcast would like to announce that Friday, this coming Friday, we're going to hold services at 10 a.m. Hashtag National Day of Prayer for sunshine in Nairobi. Special shout out to uh, our Zambian and Malawian brothers and sisters. We know you know how to hold down a prayer day, mm-hmm. a national prayer day. Yeah. For currency, right. for rains, the whole thing. I think the currency one, didn't that prayer work? Yeah, yeah. It yeah. rebounded, yeah, yeah. So hopefully with all of our prayers combined, and guys, this is not, we're not being facetious. I mean, we are, but we're not. It's cold. And, it's really and cold. And we can't, we can't hang. The sun needs to come back out. The seasonal affective disorder is is real and alive and well, and we gotta we gotta break the cycle. So you know what else happened this week? Tell me, MTV Awards. Mm. Uh, so outside of Rihanna and Drake, who let me just say I'm all about like completes about. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that they're dating. I love that she skirted him when he <laughs> went in for the kiss, uh-huh. and she was like, "You will not do this in public." Except then, then the next day she like wore his shirt out of the hotel. Yeah, yeah, but like day one MTV Awards. Come on. All right, fair work. Okay. Um, but more importantly, Joanne the Scammer. So happy. Honestly? Truly. 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 Iconic. <laughs> For all of our listeners who don't know who Joanne the Scammer is, please put this podcast on pause right now. Just go over to... Uh, Instagram. Yeah, IG. Joanne the Scammer on Instagram is I am Brendan, but the character is named Joanne mm-hmm. the Scammer. So 2016 is the official year of Petty. Yeah. And Joanne the Scammer incorporates or in, embodies everything that is Petty. And Joanne the Scammer was at MTV. This was the whole full right. circle you, of this story. I was like, and bring it back. Yeah. No. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. She's at the awards. Other important things that have happened in, in the Twitter sphere. 
Uh, the hashtag, if Africa was a school, which brought a lot of joy to a lot of us across the continent. But I was quite surprised by how many, if Africa was a school tweets, involved Joanne the Scammer. That's because Africans are petty too. <laughs> oh yeah, they're We about that petty life. Very. Especially like West versus East African petty memes. Jolof rice, petty. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, no, the Ghanaians and the Nigerians and the Senegalese. Yes, the Senegalese. I know. They, they, I always feel like they get left out of even though I they know. invented it. Right. Yeah. How do you get, you got taken out of your own story. That's got to hurt. Rebranding. Senegal, we feel you. We recognize you. We salute you for giving us Jolof rice in the first place. Uh, my favorite were two Ethiopia-related Joanne the Scammer tweets. Uh, if Africa was a school, Ethiopia when it sees Eritrea in the hallway, and then it's a gif of Joanne the Scammer saying, miss you home, girl. <laughs> Which I thought so was so true, good. though. It's so true. So true. Oh, it's so true. Mm. Uh, the other one was, if Africa was a school, teacher talks about colonialization, Ethiopia and Liberia, insert Joanne the Scammer gif, I've uh, never experienced that emotion. <laughs> I just thought it was so good. So what about you? What did you like? So I had a couple top favorites in terms of like humor. Mm. But the one that I think that well, I know sparked a debate and discussion between you and I that we'll talk about on future podcast episodes mm. was the one on Twitter from at the underscore am. Shout out to you. Let's give credit where credit is due. Wow. Um, and her tweet was... When you wish you could participate in hashtag if Africa was a school, but slavery got you in the U.S. not knowing what country you originated from, upward looking eye roll emoji. Oof. And I know for us that sparked a kind of deep conversation around like diaspora and also around like what is considered diaspora and kind of like slavery and colonial legacy. Um, so I know we'll unpack that further. And then the whole appropriation discussion, like can black folks- Where dashikis at Afro Punk Fest. Can I mention that I did a presentation at Yale that talked about how social media was going to be the new force for Pan-Africanism. This was like in 2014. I was ahead of my time. I appreciated that you just like Yale bombed. Did I? You were like, let me just tell you where I went. No, Boom. I didn't do that while a student. I did that, actually I was an alum and I came back. I talked at the Sankofa conference. Africa Rising. Yeah, because there have been so many hashtags. If Africa was a Hogwarts, if, uh, if Africa, Africa was, was a bar. bar. I think it's great that folks from across the continent, even if they're poking fun at each other, even if it's like, oh, the whole thing about like North Africans don't feel like they're African or they feel like they're, you know, this and the other. Whatever it is, the fact that people are talking to each other and it's great. I think that's the future and I'm really excited. I think the other thing is like I had said to you when we were having our, like our morning conversations about that hashtag and about Twitter, um, how this is the first time in a long time that I generally like belly laughed at how true so much of the content was mm. and how whether it was humorous or not humorous, I had this like really visceral connection to that content. I'm trying to start the new hashtag though. What's the new one? Should we get it started? I think so. What? Hashtag African sex ed. Weren't you at like a bridal shower where like in West Africa where the mom was talking about wombs? It was the wedding. Okay. Yeah, in Lagos. And? And the mom or oh, maybe it was the master of ceremonies. But the master of ceremonies prayed over the womb. Like over everybody's wombs? No, 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 no. The bride's Because I will take a womb prayer. No, no, no. It was the bride's womb. And I remember thinking, oh my, that's, oh, we're really going to do that in public? Damn. Yeah, East Africans don't do that. No, we don't. I mean, ask Ethiopians. We don't have wombs. <laughs> What's a womb? Hmm. I mean, isn't it like Immaculate Conceptions, all of us? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Birthplace of Christianity. Uh, well, an early adopter, if you will. <laughs> Maybe not the birthplace. Not a Luddite. <laughs> the opposite of the Luddites, yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
No, totally adapter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but we don't we don't talk about these things, so I think that was uh, that was really funny. Okay, so yeah, we get the Africa sex ed hashtag going. We would love to hear about um, what is the best sexual education advice you've gotten from whomever, family, friends, parents. Yes, that should yeah. be the next one. Yeah, Let's yeah. get that one cracking, guys. Yeah. Womp womp. Womp womp. Zuckerberg was here. Marcus. Well, it's not his government name, right? Marcus. Mark? I think. I always feel like Mark is short for Marcus. Mm, I think he's just Mark. Um, yeah, so Mark Zuckerberg was here. He was. Um, and by here, I mean Lagos. So it was in Nigeria. Mm-hmm. Um, and Abuja. We yeah, okay, both. Neat. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also in Nairobi last week uh, at the IHUB. Mm-hmm. Rumor has it that he was really interested in mobile payments and mobile money because um, let's be honest, mm-hmm. Kenya's the leader in that space on the continent, sure. arguably around the world. Probably, yeah. Shout out M-Pesa. We do, we do accept M-Pesa payments. <laughs> yes. You're, you're laughing, but I'm serious. I, yeah, I'm laughing because you are serious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Be right next to that Donate Now button. <laughs> oh, dear. Yes, he was here. He was in town. He had uh, a lot of photos of him eating local fare, of course. Mama Oliech. Shout out Mama Oliech. Yeah, they got if some you, good press. Yeah. If you're ever in Nairobi, Mama Oliech mm-hmm. is essentially like the Banku stand, wow. which, which okay. is, yeah, like... Actually, like, Mama Oliech is the East African banku stand, um, which is, like, fermented, well, banku is kind of, like, fermented ugali with fish in Ghana, effectively. Um, so Mama Oliech is, like, known to have the best fish in Nairobi. And it's essentially this, like, upgraded shack. <laughs> but it, it's true. Fact I don't only. think there's Fact only. drywall in the place. No. No. But it's legit. Yeah. Yeah. And also... He had jollof rice in, uh, in Lagos. And then it started a Twitter war again. Of course, because why are we arguing about these things? I don't get it. I mean, I, fine, it's humor, haha, hilarious. But I just don't see why people are so, I mean, I just don't, I just don't understand. All right, I think there's actually something a little bit more there than humor, too. That it means what? There's some sense of like 50% of every joke is the truth. Oh, obviously, there's no such thing as a joke. Every joke has truth to it. Yeah, I just think there's a little bit of like David and Goliath, Nigel being the big brother. And Ghana being the little brother. And like Senegal being the adopted kid that... Damn. But it's true though. <laughs> but the older brother adopted, like from the first marriage. Wow, there are levels? You thought yeah. about this. <laughs> I this. definitely thought about this. You thought about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But I think what we should do is we should just get people on the podcast who can like speak for their own identities. And like we can unpack how much of it is humor and how much of it is not. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> Uh, so we're starting a new segment, episode one, called Africa Rising. And Africa still rising. So Africa Rising highlights the gold stars, the bright spots, the things that we're really proud to celebrate on the continent. And Africa still rising is our way of going through some of the struggle areas. You know, the places where there's room for improvement. Is it too soon to say, aka BBC's primary content? Yeah, that's who our editor is. <laughs> we love you, my Muna. <laughs> Feel free to edit that out if you want, but you don't have to. <laughs> it's yeah, fine. Yeah, 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 it's yeah. fine. It's fine. So, um, for Africa Rising, which I'm really excited that I get to talk about the bright spot on the continent, um, and we want to shout out 13-year-old Zuleika Patel from Pretoria, from South Africa, 
and her bomb ass classmates from Pretoria Girls School who've been in the news quite a bit lately mm-hmm. and they've been in the news because these young ladies um, essentially challenged their school's racist in quotes exotic hair policy mm. um, so Reed froze so goes all the way into black hair politics and the fuckery we know associated with that mm. yep. um, but what I like what I found really really incredible and we've shared on our social media is the video that went viral of essentially Zuleika um, with her fists in the air and all of her classmates um, standing up to the police, like directly in their faces, mm-hmm. um, and starting to chant, uh, take us all, they're going to arrest us. Um, and it gave me the chills in terms of um, my own South African like history of struggle within my family um, against the apartheid movement, yeah. um, but also like these really, really brave little girls standing up for years and years and years of injustice and and it plays through all the way down to um their facial features so there's there's comments on noses on hair mm-hmm. on on language too yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Said, oh you're speaking a certain language that wasn't english yeah, yeah, yeah. but you know and oh. and we all like to believe that like south africa the rainbow nation has worked through its stuff oh, um it was only 20 years ago how do you work through that yeah but stuff is like as violently racist as this i yeah, I, I'm just very, very proud um, of these young women. There was an op-ed in Daily Vox, uh, which written by Malika Eo, and she's a 12th grader, and she says, our schools undervalue blackness and focus more on containing us than nourishing us. And that's coming from a 12th grader. It's mind-boggling. And that leads us into our Africa still rising, because this is still an issue, and a girl in South Africa can't wear a fro to school because that's how her hair grows out of her head and I don't understand why we are still trying to police these things. I don't care if it's a private school. I don't care how much it costs. You're in Africa. That's how our hair comes out of our head. If you don't like it, get out. <laughs> I don't see yeah. what... But everywhere, right? Like, not just on the continent. For, like, little oh, black girls and little girls of color everywhere. Yeah, like, no, why... Same thing in the U.S. There's a lot of stories that are very similar. And I'm just like, why? Why is, are you so afraid of someone in their natural state. What mm-hmm. does that do to you? I want to know when the fan art is coming out of yeah. these girls dressed up as su- superheroes. Yeah, no, for they, sure. I mean, just the way they have composed themselves, the way they have spoken about what it is they're feeling. I mean, they're, you know, we're tired. You know, take us all. Yeah. They're 13. Like, how much bravery and courage? What was I doing when I was there? I don't know what I was doing. Yeah, I don't, not that. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't this. I know that much. So ladies of Pretoria Girls High, we salute you. Well done. Well done. All right. So you want to move to Africa. (laughs) It's probably best to start off this topic slash segment by discussing what brought us to the continent. Mm -hmm. In my case, I'd always known that my work slash trajectory would lead me here in some capacity, although it happened rather late compared to, you know, cousins and other people that I grew up with. Um, Can I ask I, how old you were when you came? I was 23. Okay. So I'd been all around the world. Yeah. I'd studied abroad in Europe. I'd lived in China. I did my senior thesis research in Nicaragua. Mm-hmm. I'd been almost, well, I hadn't been almost everywhere, but I'd been around. You traveled. I'd traveled quite a bit, and yet I hadn't come to the one place that probably should have been the first trip, slash the one place that truly mattered until I was 23. So that was 2011. Don't do the math, thanks. Um, but Everybody pulls out their calculator. Like, Wait, what is 2016 <laughs> minus 2011? 
scamming. Um, so yeah, I mean, unlike, you know, my cousins who had come to the continent when they were, you know, when they were young and they'd also spoke, they'd learned the language growing up and all of those things. For me, it was a decision. I deferred grad school for an additional year to make sure that I could do that trip. So I ended up being in Ethiopia for three months. Um, and I learned quite a bit. Um, I learned that, you know, it wasn't my parents' Ethiopia. And so, the, you yeah. know, the family, all of the stories that you hear, everything about, oh, we're this way, we're that way. And, you know, you get there and you're like, mm, skirt. skirt. I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. like, Mom, dad, this isn't quite what you said it would be, which makes perfect sense because you left in, you know, the early 70s and here I am in 2011. And a lot has changed. Yeah. And so that was, for me, kind of my... I don't know, my exploratory commission, if you will. Um, That's a really common, like, parent diaspora narrative. Of so course, I think a yeah. lot of parents um, yeah. who raise children in the diaspora, right. uh, eventually when the parents go back or when the kids go back, it things have changed, right? right. And like often you have people, lied. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you're like, wait, that was the 70s. Right, like, exactly. Yeah. It's like, oh, Ethiopians, you know, we don't do this and we don't do that. I was like, yeah. oh, are you sure? Yeah. I don't know. I think we do now. Pretty sure there's internet. Yeah. <laughs> Things have changed. <laughs> Sorry, mom. Uh, she's still heartbroken, especially because I brought back certain slang, Amharic slang with me, <laughs> and she was absolutely distraught. Mm. She was just like, what, are, what have they done to this language in my mm. absence? <laughs> she was so angry. <laughs> Gets on first plane back. Exactly. That was my, that was my first experience, in, and I know, I'd always known, I mean, I think... You know, I was an idealistic kid growing up, and you know, you hear the stories of Ethiopia and famine and blah, 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 and I was one of those kids, I thought, I'm going to solve it, right? So I, you know, I studied food and agriculture in college because my goal was to, you know, impact larger agriculture policy, um, food In security. East Africa? Yes. So okay. food security, food sovereignty, all of those mm -hmm. issues, uh, which I still, obviously, still care about, uh, but that was kind of my driving motivation at mm -hmm. that time. And so then going to Ethiopia and really getting a sense for, for Addis and... And, you know, this place that I'd, I'd heard so much about and, like, you know, my cousins and other friends who, who went and came back and you hear through them and just to get it for, your, for yourself is a totally different thing. Uh, so I'd always known that, okay, any place where I could get my hair done for $2 is probably going to be in the cards. Legit. Yeah. Listen, all the black women listening, they yeah. know. It's real. What the listeners don't know is <laughs> Nemusa 1.0 used to have long hair. Did you? Yeah. And I used to get it. Done for two dollars at uh, off off of Bole Road. That's that's probably we yeah. probably went to the Legit. same place. Yeah, yeah. So long story short, I'd always known that it would be my trajectory and my path. I wasn't quite sure how it was going to happen, and went to grad school. Ended up studying energy systems and and markets, and also that study track was also impacted by my time in Ethiopia because I was working for a newspaper while I was there, and we would lose power like two days to print and, yeah. and you can't do research the wi-fi you know internet's gone how do we accelerate you know renewable energy growth and i mean it's 13 months of sunshine right so yeah. that's the old tourism slogan why can't I've we counted go, it yeah why can't we do why can't we do why can't aren't we doing solar why are we doing so yeah. you know learning about finance and how it all works that so my both of my academic degrees were very much impacted by this place that i'd only really been to for for three months but had heard about for for so many years. And the opportunity came up to, to move to Kenya. 
uh, about a year after graduation. So I, meanwhile, I had all these ideas in my head about what I wanted to do, but I was having a really hard time doing it. And one of my biggest problems is that I'm passionate about a lot of different things. So I wasn't sure I was focusing on journalism and then there was this whole energy thing. And it's like, well, you know, you went to school for this. Why aren't you using it? But I really wanted to do something media related. And I also had a lot of ideas around tech and e-commerce and brand promotion in terms of Ethiopia and the continent. Um, but I was, I was having a really hard time getting started on something. And the opportunity came to come to Kenya for a short-term engagement. And short-term became two years next month. <laughs> so Congratulations! I, I know, two-year anniversary. Can't believe, time really, really flies. So I'd always known that it would be a part of my world. I just didn't quite know the steps and how it was going to work out. But I'm really happy, actually, that I'm in Kenya. Um, because it gave me exposure to another to another market and to another way of doing things. And I'm also super close to Ethiopia, so I go rel- five flights a day. Yeah, relatively often. So it, it's work. It works. So that's in a nutshell, although it was a really large nutshell. <laughs> but that's what brought me brought me here. And you, what brought you here? Yeah. I think I need to go back to eight-year-old Namusa. <laughs> I have very vivid memories of my first kind of connections with the continent are twofold. So one um, is my dad uh, was part of the resistance against South African apartheid. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we grew up in exile. And so our whole childhood was spent at different political functions, Mm -hmm. fundraising events, uh, advocacy events. Um, So very much so grew up in like this South African identity, even though we didn't grow up in South Africa because we couldn't because we were black. Mm. So that was kind of one of the lead. an inconvenient truth. That that's my memoir. <laughs> Not sure if somebody's copyrighted that yet, but yeah, I my think, memoir. I think Al Gore might have, but you know, well, you know, white guys. It's okay. He's got that, you know, PE money. He started his fund. He'll be fine. He in renewables in Ethiopia, full circle. See? Boom, boom. We didn't even plan that. So yeah. So the first part of kind of my draw to the continent at a very young age was. I just simply couldn't escape it because that's what my family and my home life was. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the other piece I very vividly remember is watching um, refugees stream over the border uh, during the Rwandan genocide. Mm. And I couldn't fully comprehend. I knew people were moving and I or people had to move. um, And I couldn't fully comprehend why because our parents wouldn't let us kind of watch the violent pieces. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was something that we talked about around the dinner table and during news hour because, you know, diaspora parents love them some news. Okay. Literally everybody. True story. Yeah. True story. Monday through Friday, I was only allowed to watch the CBS Evening News with Dan Rather. Ooh, we were BBC. Yeah. And then when we got older, it was focused on Africa. Actually, no, Friday, sorry. Friday, I could watch TGIF because, mm. you know, my parents decided to show some mercy. Yeah. But my dad said, if you want to watch any television, yeah, Monday through Thursday, it has to be this. So 6.30 every day, ended up watching, that's what I watched with my dad. It made me a very stressed out third grader. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was worried about the Bosnian, like, conflict, and I didn't even know yeah. what it, where it was, but I remember that I thought... I thought very strong emotions about it. Yeah. I don't think I would do that to my kids. It aged me a lot quicker than I think I knew. I don't to. think I know how not to. But that's also true. I, you know what? I say this all the time. I'm not going to do what my parents did. I will do exactly what my parents did and then some. Yeah. I'm going to be even worse. That's my plan. I feel... I'm, apologies in advance to my future kids. It's going to be... Oh, good luck. Anyway, back to you, boo. So, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So, those kind of two very, like, 
important life events. Um, I always, always knew that I would come back to the continent and that I would be based here permanently. Mm-hmm. So I organized my life accordingly to try and get closer to the continent. Mm-hmm. Um, and somebody gave me a job when I was 18 um, in Ghana, bless them. Um, and kind of since then have been working on the continent. So I've worked in West Africa, East Africa, Southern Africa, and I was able to merge my academic career mm-hmm. with um, my ability to work across the continent. Um, and I feel really fortunate and really mm-hmm. blessed and kind of more in the last uh, five years, mm-hmm. Kenya's been home. And why I originally came is because I was working um, with the UN and then made the transition to the private sector. So doing the most, just yeah. like private sector, public sector, NGO, economic development, empowerment, kind of the whole specter. Specter? No. <laughs> like Harvey Specter? No. Spectrum. Oh, he's fine though. Kind of, oh, yeah. We'll talk about that in really? the dating Am episode. Am I the yeah. only one? Okay. I'll be alone on this island. It's Comments, fine. questions, that's, concerns. <laughs> it's less competition. That's lit. Get it? Wow. No, I don't. Lewis lit. Oh my God, that was oh, good. That was I know. Good. Well done. That was good. I that know. Was, well, yeah, we're keeping that. We digress. <laughs> um. Anyways, so yeah, <laughs> so awesome. I've always been like. Also, my name is like Nomusa Dube. Like the literally again sc- screams fist in the air. Like it doesn't get more South African than that name. Yeah, that's a mandla in real life. It's like one boy Kamau. Like just <laughs> legit through and through. Yeah, yeah. No, that's great. So what would your advice be? So you said that you had a really good job or you did a really great job of merging, merging your academia and, and the work that you've done in school with a career here. So what advice would you give to someone who's contemplating that move or how did you do it basically? I, it's such cliche advice, but I think you just like figure out, convince somebody to give you the money or to get you an opportunity or to get you a job and get yourself here and you will figure out the rest. Um, I think doing that with a little bit more research in mind so I definitely like you need to explore what you're getting yourself into right um because I think or I know still not I think I know still there's these kind of these ideas about what the continent is like and what is happening in Nairobi is not what's happening in uh even Sika or like what's happening in Mombasa mm-hmm. what's happening in Nairobi is not happening in Josie what's happening in Josie is not happening in Lagos um or Cape Town yeah and it's so drastically different um right. there there is kind of like this sense of being on the continent and being in quotes home right um but I also think like people need to do a little bit more research um on what you're getting into I wholeheartedly agree so I get a lot of people in my in my inbox who often ask for advice about okay I'm thinking about contemplating this move I'm I'm really interested in and either moving back to the continent because that's where I was originally from or folks like myself who were you know born and raised abroad but have this pull mm-hmm. um, to be a part of this next chapter of of of, of the continent's growth story um, Africa rising <laughs> not ironically right in this case we mean that mm-hmm. <laughs> And the mistake that I find a lot of people make, especially when I'm kind of parsing through the details of what it is exactly they want to do, they are looking for the perfect job. It's like, my dear, you are not going to come to the continent and become partnerships director for Facebook. Although I think they're, a, they're, I think they're accepting applications they currently. Are, they, are, they exist. But I mean, that's more than yeah. likely not going to be your first gig. Yeah. You're more than likely your first gig is something that's not entirely sexy, mm-hmm. but the fact is you're going to be where you need to be and you just hustle and yeah. you meet as many people as you can. 
You try to have as many conversations as you can. You go to as many events as you can. You build your network. Yeah. And that's how, you know, you can start to figure out what it is that, you know, your return means in, in the macro level and the micro level. And then also personally, like yeah. what it is that you can do. What can you leverage? Um, what do you want to do too? I think like we yeah. all... When we're starting out, we have these grandiose ideas of what we want to do, and then we start doing it, and we're like, mm, skirt? No, I want to do something completely yeah. different. And I think um, one of the big differences that I've noticed between working in North America and working in on the continent, particularly, mm-hmm. I'll contextualize that and say East mm-hmm. Africa, more particularly yeah. Kenya, is just how important networks are right. and business networks. And that's not just like my uncle's uncle uncles knows somebody. It's like you work you, together. Yeah. yeah. And or now delivery you on know that. that. Yeah. Because at a certain point, the uncle's uncle, cousin. Yeah. That doesn't get you. That can give you the introduction, but that's right. not getting you the like the, the sign. Yeah. Yeah. No, it has to be you, mm-hmm. and then you have to create those networks for yourself. So then you become that Oga for somebody else, essentially. Noted. <laughs> we both get a ton of people that reach out to us about moving to the continent or on their way to the continent. What are some of the lighter sides or some of the funnier stories in? Mm-hmm what people are asking you about. I think people, at least when they're approaching me, they're, they've really thought things through and they're trying their level best to see how they can merge their talents with needs. Um, because I find that almost every person I meet that's diaspora that comes back, there's a reason. And maybe you talk to them two years later and they're tired. And, and they're, they're like, what was I thinking? You know, I could have stayed in D.C. Or, like, you know, or yeah. maybe not even necessarily the fact that they regret anything, but you know, they, they're a bit worn down. It's, you know, it's all of a sudden now you've, you've done what you said you were going to do, and, and now the evidence is you're a little bit more gray. You know, you, you're a little Literally more t- and like, you're figuratively. A little, you're a little more tired. Yeah. Um, I think that's another big thing that we don't talk enough about like across the diaspora is how challenging starting over anywhere can be. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And that's everything from, like, one of the biggest shocks for me moving to Nairobi and having lived in a lot of other African cities was, like, the not being able to walk at night and reorienting my life about not being able to walk or right. uh, waiting for, like, taxis or organizing my day around taxis, which, like, doesn't sound like a big deal, but in cities where you can foot things, mm-hmm. you have so much freedom to be able to do that. J- just as a personal policy, I don't walk at night. Right. And I think people don't realize don't how either. much of that life, how much of that shifts your life. I actually agree because I I went to Zanzibar a few weeks ago and mm-hmm. it was the first time that I'd walked at night in a very long time. Right. And I was trying to remember, I was feeling a bit odd about it and I couldn't quite figure out why. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, it's because I haven't done this in a very long time. Mm-hmm. Like feeling fine enough to walk. And I generally try not to walk alone at night just yeah. because of just being a woman in general yeah. anywhere. I mean, I don't walk alone at night anywhere if I can help it. But it was the first time in a long time where I was like, you know what, I maybe I can. And it was fine. I mean, I didn't, yeah. it wasn't very long distances, but yeah, that's true. That's very true. I mean, there's just actually one piece of advice that I got from someone recently was if you are diaspora and you are moving back to the continent, do not move back to the country where you are originally from. And I think that's actually a pretty good piece of advice. Tell, tell me why. And I think, both, well, both of us, number one, have done that. <laughs> In a sense. Yeah, many times. You know, you are not currently in South Africa. No. I am not currently in Ethiopia. Um, we're both relatively, like, striking distance, relatively, strike, speaking, striking distance. Five-hour flights? Well, no. it's, it's a four-hour flight to Johannesburg, and it's a one-and-a-half-hour flight to, to add this from here. So it's the same thing, same so it's, math, it's, right? So it's basically, it's, we're basically next door. <laughs> yeah. Clearly, I I Because the down. continent is so small. Yeah. Um, Billion-plus people. 
But I think it's a really good piece of advice. And I actually, and I, I'm going to pass this off as something that, I mean, I'm giving, I'm not, I won't cite him, just in case, you know, he doesn't want to be out here in these streets. But, you know, I will co-sign that. I think when you come back to the place where you're from, for a lot of people, and everyone has a different experience with this, but generally there's family drama with either a house that's Girl, being, yeah. a house that's being argued about or someone a second family potentially was a reality for a lot of people. Yeah, there's another whole another family happening. There's issues over someone didn't take care of me. You've been abroad this whole time and expecting one thing or another. Or it's time to get married. <laughs> or you Legit. know. You know, you get those family check-ins a lot easier because you're you're using the same mobile telecom network, and yeah. so calling is a lot easier. And you're like, okay, when are you coming to visit? When you know, so it, it's a little more difficult to to carve out your own kind of your own life and destiny yeah. uh, if you have some of that some of that hanging on you. And obviously, not everybody has the same. Yeah, not everybody has the same situation. And some of that's really wonderful because there's definitely been moments in Nairobi where I've been like. Oh, I wish like my family was here. Like yeah. I wish I could just Sunday right. morning go to brunch. And so I think it's a balance and it's also right. depending on your family situation. Um, mm -hmm. But I agree with that. I think like, yeah, definitely if it's the first time coming back, if people have the opportunity right. or the privilege to be able to relocate to places or resettle to mm -hmm. places that they haven't been before, right. huge learning opportunity. Exactly. You get to learn so much more about a different market. And on top of that, you have a bit more space to, to do you for mm -hmm. a little bit. So I'm curious, what um, surprised you the most about coming back? You know, looking back on it and in the conversations that I've had with people, and I don't know if this is one of those like resume questions or like job interview questions where like, what's your biggest weakness? And they're like, I'm a perfectionist. I do things, for, you know, like I really need to do work really well. But I will say, and at the risk of sounding kind of like that, that I'm really surprised by how much I've learned mm. just by being here. Granted, I read the papers a lot. I have so many Google alerts and that's mostly kind of for work and also personal as well because I mean, what, I'm, what I do, I'm interested in as well, so. Uh, and our social media. And I also do, right, I do, yeah, um, Africana social media, I do my own social media, do social media for, for work stuff. So as a result, I read a lot. And in the conversations that I've had with certain people when they've asked certain questions and I've had an answer at the ready, I'm like, wow, there's no way I would have known that mm. two years ago. And the only reason I do is just because I've been here. And I think that <laughs> that's, the, that's the hard thing to monetize or to like learn how to turn into a job or a consultant. Side or hustle. Or a side hustle. But those are the kind of things that I take for granted. You know, reading the three major newspapers every day, Google alerts every day, all the information that's come at me, I've learned so much about business on this continent, in this region, the major players, who's who, and those are the kind of things that you don't quite get as much when you're, you know, as much as you want to be in the DC Afropolitan crowd, which, you know, I was in and a proud member of, of that, a lot of great friends in that scene who are trying to do diaspora work from there and diaspora investing from there, but there is truly nothing quite like just being here and seeing it all for yourself. I couldn't agree more. I think one of the most surprising things for me, and I s struggle with trying to figure out, is this kind of where I am age-wise? Or mm -hmm. like, would this have happened had I, in quotes, come of age 
like 20s into 30s (laughs) elsewhere Um, but how much I grew personally Mm. so I felt kind of in like my first two to three years was like like huge professional strides I had changed industries I was working in the private sector but kind of in these last two years of the five years of being in Nairobi I've grown so much personally Mm. so everything from how I relate to my family to how I relate to my friends to intimate partners to faith kind of across the board I think I fundamentally changed in the last two years and I don't think that would have happened or I know that wouldn't have happened in the same way had that not been for Nairobi it's so funny you say that actually because I definitely got a text from my best friend she's like you're different (laughs) yeah and she's like it's not good or bad but you're different yeah and I do think I have I don't want to say I fundamentally changed in the last two years because I think that's a bit dramatic and Mm. a bit untrue but I can tell that I I relate to certain things differently. I've also developed a very bizarre accent. And sense of humor. (laughs) I think my humor's definitely changed over the last two years. Really? Yeah. Huh. For me, it's... I have a a random kind of British accent thing that's happening, and when I go home, people are really confused. And I, myself, am very confused because I don't hear it until someone calls me out on it. But every once in a while, I'll hear it myself, and I'm like, whoa, how did that happen? Like, just the other day, yesterday, I like, said something that was, like, super... What was it that I did? I don't even remember. But You was... said level best earlier on in a segment. Did I? Yeah. Is that a, that is a thing, That's too. a very Kenyan thing. Oh, Try my level best. Or me, I. Well, the me, I, I do was a joke. Yeah. Um, I think my personal favorite for me is, because I'm deathly allergic to, as the listeners will find out, carrots, nuts, and celery. Um, whenever I'm talking to somebody here, I say carrots. And the waiters just like bust into laughter. And I always thought it was because it was weird to have allergies. But I was told last weekend it's because my accent's whack. Your what? Your Toronto accent? No, that's like just a, I don't know. I assumed that that's how people said carrots in Nairobi. Wait, how do you say it again? Carrots. (laughs) No, 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 not a thing. No. Sorry. Well, I can't change it, so. Yes, you can. You just said carrots perfectly just now. No, but then people don't know what I'm saying. If you say carrots? Yeah. We'll try it next time. I have a hard time saying water. Water is a big word here that I say water the way I know how to say water. And everyone's like, huh? What? Ati what? Ati what? Yeah. Ati who? It's like, no, no, water. Water? Maji. And they're like, oh! Majimoto. Majibaridi. <laughs> and then, right. Sparkling still. Right, exactly. Of all the options. Room temperature. There's so many. Yeah, well, getting water here. That's my here, favorite, though. Getting water here is a process. Mm. Do you want it cold? Do you want it room temperature? Do you still want sparkling. It, do you want it still? Do you want it sparkling? Yeah. I'm a sparkling cold with lemon person. Are you? Don't come to me with your warm water with no lemon. I feel like there could be a really... If someone had the time, aka not us, uh, someone could do a personality type based on the water matrix. I completely agree. I already know what personality type I would be. Yeah. I, I am a room temperature still water girl maybe that's why this podcast works yeah you're the yin to my yang hmm. yeah it all makes more sense i think i'm enfj i used to be enfj i've changed nairobi has changed me I did fundamentally <laughs> I, did, I took that test again a few months unfortunately i don't remember what the change was but one of those letters oh no i think i'm less extroverted than i used to be which was huge for me because i used to see, i used to really get energy from people and now I'm like, oh, do I have to go out? I'm the complete opposite. I feel like I've become more of an extrovert. Really? I get so much energy being around other people. Oh, no. Yeah. I've, mm-mm. I mean, right now, this is a buzzkill. Actually, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just 
kidding. Love you. Heart emoji. And on that note, <laughs> we'll wrap it up. <laughs> you need to gut it. And now it's that time for the Africana proverb of the week, week, week. Week. I feel like you need to be like, gather around, children. <laughs> yes. Under the baobab tree. <laughs> yes. Ancestral lands. Too far? <laughs> Not far enough. I see a camel in the distance. What? So this gem comes from none other than my my own mother, actually. Shout out Mama Adidana. Hello. Hi mom. If you're actually mom's probably not listening. <laughs> it's it's fine. She doesn't even have a phone. I don't know how she would listen to this. My mom doesn't either. It's fine. It's okay. Um, but if she was listening, hi, mom. I love you. Um, you're also the reason I'm not cursing on this podcast, just so you know. Your Jedi mind tricks have lasted well into this third decade. Um, Apologies ahead of time. Mom yes. added on a <laughs> foul mouth. But uh, something that she passed on to me... Uh, in mid- I can't remember if it was in middle school or high school, but it is something that I have often leaned on... Um, a, just for nostalgia purposes and just it's funny, and B, because it's actually good advice. But what she told me was, don't let them rent space in your head. Them being haters. So let that warm you on a cold Nairobi day like it is at the moment. Um, again, don't let them rent space in your head. Where them are haters. Can we translate that to dem? Dem. <laughs> Don't let Dem. Well, my mother doesn't talk that way, but mm-hmm. we could for our own purposes. We can do that. Sure. Uh, dem girls, Dem sugar. And don't let them. Don't let them. Then babies. The lower half of my body. Like my hips started moving every time I hear that song. <laughs> you're just girls, like. Dem sugar. <laughs> like creepy uncle in the background. <laughs> yeah. In that club in Addis. <laughs> so in future episodes, uh, we would love to have feedback from our listeners. And one of. The most effective ways to do that, we think, um, is to have you guys write in um, and comments, questions, concerns um, about what's happening in the continent, and we will answer them to the best of our abilities, or we will have our guests, because yes, we're going to have some guests and co-hosts in the future. Woo-woo. Get excited. Excited. Um, and so we would love to answer your questions. So uh, you can email us your questions, comments, concerns at ask. Africana at gmail.com. So again, that's A S K A F R A C A N A H at gmail.com. Well done. And hopefully we'll get you on the show. Until next time, you can find us at A F R A C A N A H. So that's at Africana on Twitter, on Instagram. Um, our Facebook handle is at Africana Podcast because someone took at Africana. Scammers. Get out of here. And thank you all so much for sticking through these past however many minutes it's going to be by the time it's all edited. Let's say 35, 45 minutes of your life. We appreciate it. This episode was edited by the brilliant Maimuna Jallo. Our logo was designed by Victor Marithi. Please look them up. They're both incredibly talented folks. Until the next episode, bye guys. Bye.